You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Yesterday was Patch Tuesday. Cyber threats to healthcare include ransomware, breaches, and device hacking. NATO and non-NATO partners establish an information operations center in Helsinki to contest Russian influence in cyberspace. Analysts continue to pick over the latest from the shadow brokers. And WikiLeaks's Vault 7 seems to out cyber operators as fans of Star Trek, anime, and Ape Escape. No surprises there, eh? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, April 12, 2017. Microsoft yesterday issued fixes for the Office Zero Days that have been much discussed over the past week. At least two of the bugs are being actively exploited in the wild, which should lend urgency to the patching. Netscope reports that one of the vulnerabilities is being exploited by the Godzilla botnet, and the resurgence of the Drydex banking trojan via Word Zero Days has been widely reported as well with much research contributed by Proofpoint. McAfee and FireEye have said they'd warned Microsoft about the vulnerabilities, but Microsoft had until now been quiet about the steps toward remediation it planned. Now Redmond has taken a swat at 46 bugs, 15 of them rated critical. The exploitation of the vulnerabilities in the wild tended to begin, as it so often does, with phishing. The fish bait in the case of the word vulnerability reported by researchers at security firm Optiv being a malicious document that, when opened, executes a script to install additional payloads. Michael Patterson of security firm Plixer International pointed out to us that phishing tends to succeed when it becomes more plausible. The ready availability of personal data to bad actors, whether obtained legitimately via unwise sharing over social media or illegitimately through breached information traded on the black market, contribute to successful phishing. The other patched bug being exploited in the wild is an Internet Explorer flaw that enables privilege elevation attacks. A third zero day, this one affecting Office 2010, 2013, and 2016, is carried in word by a malicious EPS image. This one's not yet patched, but Microsoft has released interim guidance pending a security update. For its part, on Patch Tuesday, Adobe fixed 59 vulnerabilities, 44 of them code execution bugs. The affected products include Adobe Reader, Adobe Campaign, the Creative Cloud app, Photoshop, and Flash Player. And SAP published 27 security notes in its round of patches yesterday. Most of them are missing authorization checks, but a few are more consequential. A number of attacks against and threats to medical information and healthcare providers have been reported. A tweeter by the screen name of Flash Gordon found, using the Shodan search engine, information on more than 900,000 elderly diabetes patients exposed online in, apparently, a telemarketer's database. And security company Forcepoint sees a trend. 
Attackers are using the ransomware-as-a-service platform known as Philadelphia for commodity attacks against medical targets. Many security experts see the healthcare sector as still playing cyber catch-up, which is understandable. The sector collects, holds, uses, and necessarily shares a great deal of sensitive information, and so it faces a tough challenge. Trivalent's John Suit, for one, told us that recent incidents show that data protection has been unable to keep up with the sector's rapid digitization. He recommends protecting data at the file level. Quote, encryption, shredding, and secure storage, which renders personal patient data useless to unauthorized parties. End quote. Turning to cyber conflict, specifically information operations, specifically the UK, the US, France, Germany, Sweden, Poland, Finland, Latvia, and Lithuania, have agreed to establish a joint info-op center in Finland. The Helsinki Center is aimed against Russian influence operations, especially against the prospect that such operations will play a malign role in future elections. The new center recognizes the seriousness of propaganda, especially given its technology-enabled increased reach and rapid spread. It also suggests recognition that aggressive information operations are usually best addressed by informational means. For example, RT's coverage of the alleged Kilohos botmaster, in which the Russian state-aligned service claimed the suspect arrested on his Spanish vacation was behind last year's DNC hacks. In an interview yesterday with The Hill, former U.S. Director of Central Intelligence and NSA Director Hayden sensibly cautioned members of Congress against calling election hacking an act of war. Not all hostile acts constitute a Cassius Belli. Hacker House looks at the shadow broker's latest leaks and concludes they suggest the existence of tools to root Oracle Sun Solaris Unix servers. And finally, researchers at Symantec and elsewhere continue to pick over the WikiLeaks' last Vault 7 round of alleged CIA hacking documents, connecting the tools noted therein to the Longhorn campaigns that appeared in 16 countries beginning in 2011. The Hill and others make something of pop-cultural references that appear in the doxed files. They're said to be loaded with allusions to Star Trek and anime, but closer inspection reveals that there's less here than meets the eye, so the name-check reporting might best be viewed as so much fan service for Langlophobes. Mr. Spock gets a couple of shout-outs, but so do Flash Gordon, Ape Escape, Bad Lip Reading, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The homage to anime seems to extend little farther than Guy and Shu, who you'll no doubt remember from the series Guilty Crown. Or so a friend tells us. All of this seems innocent enough, as naming conventions go, and even to argue for a pleasantly broad range of civilized curiosity on the part of the alleged, we stress alleged, cyber operators. We confess one of our stringers has spent the day noisily advocating for Babylon 5 over Star Trek, but in matters of popular culture, tastes vary. But had it been all Sailor Moon all the time, we would have feared for the Republic. A quick question, though, for retired DCI Hayden. General, if you don't mind sharing, what was your high score on Ape Escape? And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI... The best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero-trust-ai. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, welcome back. You know, the dark web is its own ecosystem. There are uh, markets that come and go. People set up shops, shops close. Um, You know, take us through that ecosystem, the evolution of that ecosystem. Sure. I, I mean, you think about, you know, kind of the, the standard conversation there is you have something like a Silk Road, right, that kind of mm. existed and was very popular and then was taken down. And I think we are on Silk Road three or four now. And with each iteration, you know, less trust and less of an expectation of it coming back to its original levels, you know, new new ownership, for example. Then you have other markets like the Real Deal, which really built up a reputation uh, especially kind of in the latter half of, of last year as being a place for some of these major databases for sale or some of these major exploits in comparison to other markets like Alphabay, which is kind of more of a general market. You know, you can get your drugs or your fraud or what have you. I think the the volatility there is definitely uh, difficult for sellers to navigate um, or for buyers to navigate for that matter. I, I don't see too many conversations about vendors um, and where they're moving when markets go down, but but buyers definitely, and and buyers follow their vendors. When you find someone you trust, uh, you're going to follow them wherever they go. And so, if they're only on one market and that market goes down, there's a vacuum. And, and what what is there in terms of barriers of entry uh, for setting up a shop? For setting up a new market, I think there's a a fairly decent barrier to entry there. I mean, first you need to have a site that is going to be uh, technically sound enough that vendors and buyers are willing to go there and there definitely have been standards set in the market you know people are are trying to differentiate themselves enough to draw people away from other markets but at the same time there are these security constraints which is why when new markets are available people will typically put them up and ask the community to assess them and try and pull new vendors in saying we are just as secure but we do these things differently not all that different from the kind of competition we see in regular retailers so in terms of the markets coming coming and going, how, how volatile is it? Are, are there, you know, ones that have been around for a long time and there are the tried and true markets and then, you know, fly-by-nights? How does it work? Sure. I mean, Alphabay is definitely the kind of the, the clearest example of something that's been around for a little while and definitely has earned a reputation for being fairly stable. You know, they have uptime and downtime just like the rest of kind of the dark web, you know, they faced DDoSing. They were down for a couple of hours yesterday. Every time these sites kind of come up and go down, 
Um, the the major markets in particular, you have to ask yourself, is this the exit scam? Mm. You know, Nucleus, uh, people held out hope for a while when Nucleus first went down. And so then in addition to, you know, kind of the major markets going up and down, it's it's trying to make a judgment call on these new markets when they pop up. Are they gaining traction? Are they going to ever become truly popular? And would they become popular in their own right? Or is it going to be a result of some other market going down and that's the next best thing? Trying to judge what the next best thing will be is, is difficult, I think, when you have something like an alpha bay and, and really there's not an equivalent. So it, it can really be sort of an ethereal thing. A, a site might come up and have that special something that will attract attention and others simply won't. Sure. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, if this site goes down, are we going to see the vendors split into, you know, the the drug vendors will go focus on something that's more like the Majestic Garden, which is just a psychedelic site. Um, And the fraud vendors, will they go over to kind of carding specific sites or are we going to see an exodus to, you know, another fairly large market like like Hansa or Valhalla? um, Or we're going to see people maybe take up, you know, take up banners on, on some of these newer markets. It's a different world. Uh, Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K Cyberwire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.